Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order Faith Friday special edition here with our brother Joel Thomas. Joel is a singer and a songwriter, a podcaster, and a cryptid hunter from Cincinnati, Ohio. I first hold, heard this gentleman speaking as a guest host on uh, the Confessionals podcast, and he was talking about the Nephilim in the Bible, but the possibility also. Joel Thomas, it's such an honor to speak with you and to share some of these crazy things to a lot of people. And and hopefully, you know, people have a new perspective after this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely, uh, David. I'm glad to be on here. Uh, I love talking about these topics. I, th I think that the modern church needs it more than ever, because I feel like that these topics also tie into where we're going in the world, what's going to happen in the future. Um, there's so much happening that people don't understand. But if we look to the scriptures and look what's happened in the past, we can see what's happening in the future. So I think that's a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Solomon said it, there's nothing new under the sun. So I, I think that that holds true uh, even now. So I think, like you said, I, I did an episode called Good Nephilim, which we won't go there today, but we will talk about the Nephilim and biblically what that means. We'll talk about some apocryphal books and some extracurricular uh documents, but mainly we'll stick to the scriptures for people that are Bible buffs that really want to understand how this is possible in the Bible. Because it's so funny that this is not taught in the modern churches. Rarely yeah. do you hear about this in the modern churches. And matter of fact, if it's brought up, most people scoff at it or say that it's a metaphor, it's not real. When these are actual historical documentations of battles with giant beings called the Nephilim. And mm -hmm. this happened before the flood, and this also happened after the flood. And as we get towards the end of today, I'll talk about how this could be a possibility in the future or how this is actually happening now as well. So I think that people would, if you don't know about this topic, I think this you'll find it fascinating. But I do have scriptures to back it up. So it's not like I'm just sitting here pulling this up and saying, hey, this is, you know, this is something, some nice story that I'm making up. It's definitely in the Bible, David. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you going there too, because well, for anybody who's interested, I'll, in the show notes, I'll post a link to that good Nephilim broadcast that Joel did that, uh, that initially piqued my interest. Cause this, a lot of this stuff is new to me as well. Joel, are you referring to like Genesis six, four, where it says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also after are you referring to that and other scriptures or so the fun part about today is we'll talk about giants being talked about in a multitude of scriptures i probably won't be able to touch on all the scripture today it's actually more than people think now the word nephilim is only used twice in the bible and we'll talk about that i think that's a good place to start today yeah. and then we'll break down what that means in context We'll talk about some of the giants that are in the Bible that are talked about. People know about Goliath, but there were several other giants that were talked about in the Bible by name. So it wasn't just Goliath is the only giant that was talked about in the Bible. There are several that are talked about in the Bible, which would be really cool. But we'll start with Genesis 6, because I think that's what most people, if they know about the Nephilim, will go to Genesis 6. And so we'll start with. Genesis 6, 1, when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attracted. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children of them. These were the mighty men, which is in the Hebrew, Jaborim or Gibberim, which is the correct uh, pronunciation in the Hebrew, but depending on where you're at in the world, you can say whatever you want. Uh, Jaborim is also a vernacular that is commonly used too. Uh, the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Now, you may say, okay, so this Nephilim word is popping up here. What does that mean? Well, this means that the Nephilim were created 
by fallen angels. One of the one third that came down from heaven after some people say kicked out. I think it was more of a revolt and they left. They weren't allowed back in unless God, you know, lets them back in. Like in Job, we're going to talk about Job too today, how they did go back. And at least one time in scripture, we know they went and talked to God in heaven uh, with Lucifer. But when you're talking about the Nephilim here, it says that the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive. Now, the sons of God here are not talking about human beings. You will hear this argued by people in the church who think that sons of God meant the bloodline of Seth. These were men in Adam's bloodline who turned away from God and took these daughters in context of here. Why would these men create these children who were considered mighty men of old, the men of renown, Gibberim, Jaborim, which is also used in context of giants, and we're going to get into that too. These were giants. These were actual giants. These were the products of fallen entities having sexual relations with women on what most people consider Mount Hermon, which is in the book of Enoch. Now, the book of Enoch is an apocryphal book. It's not in the canonical Bible, but there are, and I've done more and more digging over time, some of it is considered to be written by at least the Enoch of Adam's line. Now, is all of it I don't think so. I think that's a whole other podcast, but I do think that's why it's not in the canonical text. But I think there is a lot of great things out of the book of Enoch that help us be able to see exactly what was going on here. Now, you want to say the sons of God were not fallen angels. They were not angelic beings. But that's just not the case because I can prove that biblically here. We can go to Job 1.6. One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. So we're talking about Satan and his fallen angels, the sons of God, came to present themselves. This is when they're trying to make that deal with God to attack Job, basically take everything away from Job because Satan told God that Job would deny him. People know that story. We know how Job went through a whole lot, never denied God, ended up giving, you know, God mm -hmm. gave him back everything, multiplied it. But these were the sons of God, and you'll find this in the Old Testament. Sons of God means fallen angels or angelic beings. Job 2.1, on another day, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came with them to present himself before him. So in the next chapter, it's used again. Job 38, 7, while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Again, this is talking about sons of God being fallen angels, angelic beings. So we know here in Genesis 4 that this is speaking about fallen angels came down, had sexual relations with women to create this Nephilim, these Jaborim, who were giant beings before the flood. Joel, what would you say to somebody who goes to Hebrews 1 and says, when did God ever call an angel a son? Well, <laughs> so my answer to this would be just to pull those verses back out that I just read you, because that's specifically in Job talking about the sons of God. So this is, there's no rebuttal to that, in my opinion. Now, again, you can pull that verse up and say, well, this is what I think. Okay, you can think that, but that doesn't make it correct. That doesn't make it true because of the sons of God. Why would, why would in Job, the sons of God, be going with Satan into heaven? Or were human beings going mm -hmm. with Satan into heaven? That, that's, well, that wasn't if, happening. If it were people, then Job would have been there, I think. I mean, if Job was, Job was righteous. Correct. So if it was just talking about believers, right. then I think Job would have been there. I just— I've I've had other people bring up to me in, in the past, like, well, you know, Hebrews one. And I think, well, that's, that's valid. Like did Barnabas or whoever wrote Hebrews not know this or, or, or are they these sons of God? Are they some other spiritual creature? You know, that's, that's not an angel. It's not a seraphim. It's not a cherubim. You know, I, I, 
I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's I think it's fascinating anyway. Yeah. And generally when you're talking about other and that's a whole other topic, too. But when you're talking about other spiritual beings, that's a possibility. You could be talking about the Elohim, which Elohim's used in the singular, which would mean God, but also Elohim is used as gods as well. So there's a whole theory. I know Michael Heiser talks about the uh, the uh, divine council and the gods that serve under God. We don't know exactly what these gods do, but there is that thought pattern that there are other spiritual beings. We don't know what God's created. We have no idea. We don't know what's going on in other dimensions, which I think heaven is. We have no idea. So that's all speculation, but we have a few verses in the Bible to be able to pick that out. Um, but I can say to your point, I think people point to in the New Testament a lot when they're talking about the sons of God being used, like in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You'll find a lot in the New Testament where sons of God are actually talking about Christians or people that are redeemed uh, through Christ. So I, I think uh, mostly, you know, outside of what ver the verse you just brought up, you're going to see that more often than not. But, you know, and honestly, I, I would like to say in my opinion, but it's not in my opinion. I think biblically, it's a very sound doctrine to say that the sons of God in these instances are being used for angelic beings or fallen angelic beings who had sexual relations uh, with human women. Yeah, I mean, and, and we probably all know, we, we probably all know of people who uh, were believers who had children with unbelievers and they didn't create giants. Right. I mean, so like just logically using our brains that God gave us, this has got to be something other than mm -hmm. people. In in my opinion, it's pretty clear. Correct. And so to that point, we want to go to the second time that the word Nephilim is used in the Old Testament. It's in Numbers 13, 32 and 33. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. Now, what this stories talking about Moses sends out 12 spies into the promised land to get a report. He wants to know what's going on in the promised land, what's happening there, bring the report back to me. They come back. This is the report that 10 of the 12 spies outside of Joshua and Caleb come and give him. They're basically scared to death. They see these giants, the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, standing before them in these areas, and they said, they're like grasshoppers to them. We have no way of beating them. Now, the best part is, you know, historically looking at it, it said there were six some odd men that numbered for war that refused to go because of these 10 spies that came back and said that there are giants in the land. So Moses gets pretty angry with this whole thing, and this is why that the Israelites go into the wilderness for 40 years. Matter of fact, a lot of uh, documents I've read on it were that basically all of the men that refused to go died out during that 40-some-odd years uh, outside of Joshua and Caleb, who actually led the march back into the Promised Land after the 40 years, and they ended up taking the Promised Land back. But all that was for these giants that were in the land. I use this story a lot as a reference to our own lives, because I always feel that we can take biblical stories and use them in our own lives. And I think that's a lot of times what happens, right? We see these obstacles or these giants in our lives and we don't trust God. So then we end up in a wilderness. Yeah, that's true. And how kind of God not to just strike us dead right then, but to like, you know, let us finish out the next 40 years. <laughs> right, right, for sure. So now I'm going to get into a little bit of the etymology of Nephilim and some of these Raphaim, and then I'll break down some of the other giants that are talked about in the Bible, okay. too, so people can understand that these giants not only were before the flood, but they were also after the flood, too. And there's some theories on how they were before and how they were after, and we can get into a little bit of that, too. So. The meaning of Nephilim as giant really pulled from the Brown Driver Briggs lexicon, and that's from the Hebrew verbal root 
NPL or Nepal, which is fall. So basically the fall. And now you will hear some guys in these circles say that Nephilim is talking about fallen entities, that that is what the Nephilim were, that the Raphaim are the giants. I can understand some of their arguments and some of the guys that write this are really good and, and, and I don't, you know, knock what they write, but I've done, you know, in my research, you know, it doesn't account for the sons of God creating the Nephilim, right? So it, that part of it just doesn't add up to me. In my opinion, the Nephilim, that word is over-encompassing. But you'll find it more, you know, pre-Diluvian or pre-Deluge, pre-Flood. Uh, I think you see more of the Raphaim, Anakin, and all that after the Flood. And I think this is a more diluted version of what you saw before the Flood. You know, it said that giants before the Flood, at least like the first and second generation, these guys were in the 35 to 40 foot range is what a lot of the uh, guys that have dug into it, that I've dug into it, have, have seen. It's even crazier. King Alexander is said to have sent men out to an island to uh, survey and just see what you know they could find on this specific island. That they found three thirty-five plus foot skeletons that they ended up digging up, and he ended up keeping in one of his uh, chambers uh, later on. So there's stories throughout history of giants, I and mean, we know from Greek mythology, the Titans you know, the demigods, this is all reflection of what these Nephilim were. They were considered demigods to people because they did have different abilities. They were bigger, faster, stronger. I know it said that they were two to one in ratio. Human beings are really three to one in ratio. So is height, height to width, right? So three to one is, you know, say we were uh, six feet tall, you know, we would be, uh, like a foot wide, right? But Nephilim are considered two to one. So they were half, like their wit, say they were 10 feet tall, they were five feet wide. Or 20 feet tall, they'd be 10 feet wide. So these guys weren't just some giants, like, like you know, hobbling around, couldn't walk. No, these guys were quick, fast, strong. You got to understand that their DNA was directly from angelic beings. So they would have some of these traits that came from their father and you say that there's like places we could go to to look at photos or or to read accounts from people throughout history that have found skeletal remains and stuff like that absolutely and honestly you know you can use the internet to find it what's really funny is in the early 1900s the late 1800s these pictures of these giant bones being found in the u.s were constantly publicated in the newspapers all through the u.s uh, i've seen plenty of them uh now these bones you're not going to be able to get to because you've got organizations like the smithsonian who will see them anymore mm -hmm. so that's it. that's at least the thought pattern behind it uh, a lot of guys i've talked to that are in the science field will tell you that like even people that find giant bones to this day they just go mysteriously missing at that point. I think what happens is if giant bones are put into the mainstream uh, mind frame, that that takes away the theory of evolution at that point. I think that disrupts that evolution because you got to think giants would be the evolved, the better version of us. So we would be evolving towards not de-evolving uh, down. So it just doesn't make sense, I guess, in that uh, uh, mind frame. So I, I think that's why we don't see these bones at all. Anymore. Joel, come on, man. Are, are you saying that there are societies or, or, or people in power or groups that are trying to suppress the truth? I mean... <laughs> No, I'd never say something like that. So, so you're saying the Smithsonian Institute, and I've heard this before. Like, I'm just, I, obviously, I'm, I'm kind of joking. I've heard other accounts where, where people have said, oh, yeah, my grandfather found this. We were building the house. This 14-foot skeleton came out of the ground. It made the newspaper. The Smithsonian came along, and then, boom, it was gone. You know, I mean, even the giant of Kandahar story, like, same kind of deal, right? The, the feds show up, and then the... The evidence all disappears, and you're, you're told not to talk about it? The Kandahar story is a wild one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they, they killed this giant, and this was reported from the soldiers. And this was after the giant had killed one of the soldiers with a spear and came out of a cave. 
And the best part about it was they were training these soldiers for several weeks before they went up there because, but they never told the soldiers what was up there, but they were training them to shoot in the 10 foot range upward. And they didn't know what they were. And then this giant came out, speared a guy, and then they ended up decapitating him because, I mean, they just unloaded on him. But they ended up, you know, coming with some helicopters, dropped down, scooped it up, never saw it again. So I think that, and we'll get to this towards the end of this, but I do think the giants still exist today. I think they're still being created. And I'll talk a little bit about what I think about that too. Uh, but yeah, it, as far as the Nephilim go back to the etymology, uh, Nephal in Hebrew means fallen or to fall. So these giants, these Nephilim were from the fallen ones. They, they, it's, that's what it is in the Hebrew. Uh, so that doesn't, again, we were talking about, you were talking about what the sons of God part meaning. Well, hold on. So you're telling me that human men had sex with human women and created these fallen, these Nephal, these Nephilim. Why is this word here? Again, it doesn't add up if you're trying to negate this part of scripture. Uh, you can choose to negate it. I can tell you right now that the modern church has chosen to negate a lot of scripture that's in there uh, for for a good purpose. And I think that you were just talking about organizations. There are organizations that have infiltrated the church as well. So I think that that's part of diluting the scriptures and diluting our minds away from what God has purposed us to see. Uh, and I, I can speak from experience. I mean, certainly not that I'm perfect. No person is, right? I mean, apart from Jesus when I was pastoring a church, when I would get to something I didn't understand, I would either be faced with trying to learn. And if there's no resources out there, if you're not able to find the resources, you just skip over it. You just move on because what else are you going to do? And and if you're really honest, you might tell your congregation, hey, I just don't understand that. Like, you know, but a lot of people in ministry don't don't have that ability. And there were times myself that I was like, I, Let's just move on because I, I have nothing to offer you. And nobody in the congregation did either, as far as I know. Right. You know? Yeah, and, and that's true. And and as, a, and as a pastor, if you don't know something, it's better to admit that you don't and then try to figure it out later and, and look into it. Uh, sadly, you know, you go to uh, theology school and, and all of these different universities, mm -hmm. they don't teach you either. So they just, they just blow over it yeah. as well. So it's, it's frowned upon. In, in you know the mainstream circle to look into a lot of these very, very uh, interesting topics in the Bible. So we are going to get into uh, giants talked about in the Bible, and we're going to talk about six giant tribes. So there, there are giant tribes talked about in the Bible uh, as well. We're going to talk about it scripturally, who they were. I'm going to break down some, what some of them were able to do. So we've got six of these guys. We got the Raphaim or the lofty men. They lived in an area of ancient Bashan. One king of Bashan was mentioned in the Bible. His name was Og, and we'll talk about Og as well. It said that Og was about 13 feet tall, and this is scriptural. So at the end of the day, if you guys are looking for it scripturally, you don't believe that sons of God were fallen entities, fine. You don't have to. But where are these giants coming from? Because biblically, the word giant is constantly used in the Bible. So if these sons of God created these giants and they were men, I don't have an answer for you then, man. I don't have an answer for why all of a sudden the genome pool just switched out of just some human beings. Again, doesn't make any sense. So if, you're if your line of thought is that way, obviously. You have the Zuzim, which were the tall ones. They dwelt north of the Arnon River. You got the Emim. They were called the Terrible Ones. They dwelt on the east side of the Dead Sea in the territory of Moab. The Horim, they were cave dwellers, and you're going to see this a lot. Giants in caves, giants coming out of the earth. I'll talk about where I think some of them may have gone before the flood, where some of them could be now. Uh, we got the Avim, dwellers among the ruins, dwelt in the lower portion of Shephelah. We have the Anakim, the long neck ones, and they dwelt around the area of Hebron. And you'll, we just mentioned the sons of Anak or the Anakim uh, earlier. Um, in numbers 13 so this these are the six giant tribes that are talked about in the bible now there are derivatives of giant bloodlines that are talked about in the bible too amorites uh you got the uh 
several of them that are offshoots of that. So they would be more diluted versions, but they tend to have some traits that come down from fallen entities. They have a connection to the occult, a natural connection to the occult, and they're able to, uh, you and I were talking about it off air, how, you know, some people are born with an innate nature towards something. And in the, the, uh, the church is not showing them how, supernatural that the bible is and how your connection to god uh can help people so what they end up doing with those traits they end up going to the opposite end because somebody's giving them an answer and the church just won't do it and part of it is the church is scared to do it because if you start talking about these type of topics Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. will run they don't want to hear it they don't believe it they don't want to believe in the supernatural which is fascinating to me when you actually believe that there is a supernatural being that you've never seen in your life that created you but you can't believe anything else supernatural out of that that's that's it loses me when people are like that. They believe in God, but they cut off everything yeah. else that's supernatural in the world that's been talked about in Scripture, and they say it's me- a metaphor. Yeah, doesn't no, add up. No, I'm, it doesn't I'm add totally up, with David. you. You believe <laughs> Jesus was dead for three days and then he rose from the grave. That his that his body physically died, and anyone Scripture Paul writes about anyone who denies that is not one of us. Let him be a curse. So we, by definition as Christians, believe in the resurrection Absolutely. of the dead, but not all this other stuff because we can't explain it. <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah. And here's the thing, David, it is explainable. And mm-hmm. that's the bad part about it. It is explainable, but people don't want to do the research or they don't want to listen to people who have because it shatters their, yeah. the world that they're in. It shatters the fabric of you know, for lack of a better word, the matrix that they've created around them, it shatters that. So when that happens, yep. it's called cognitive dissonance. You you, it, you double down on your original beliefs because you don't want to open your mind up to what I think God is trying to show you. You know, it's funny. People read the Bible and they know that at some point, we don't know when, but the time of revelation will come. And they know that all this crazy stuff's going to happen. You don't think that right now weird stuff's happening in the world that's helping get to that point? Come on. Come on. Like, that's the part that I just don't get. Right. That's the part I just don't get with the modern Christian. I'm not saying all, but I'm saying the modern mainstream Christian, they don't want to accept some of these deeper truths in the Bible because it'll make them face you know Something what's interesting? Not ready and to face. I think about this a lot. Like God said, keep the Sabbath holy. Keep that day and just think about God. Think about theological things on this, the last day of the week. It even says if anyone doesn't keep the Sabbath, they should be stoned. Like God says, kill anyone who doesn't want to keep anyone who wants to work on that seventh day. It's a day of rest unto the Lord or unto Yahweh. We don't take a break. If we take a day off of work, we spend it scrolling social media or fighting with other people or like playing video games or whatever. We never stop and think. And because we don't ever stop and think, we just, we don't go into these deeper things and we have lame excuses such as, well, God just didn't intend for us to understand some things. It says that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. What part of all do you not want to be led into? Like, right. I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, and that's where you get some of these ancient alchemists who dug really deep, but ended up going too far. So now they're connecting to entities behind the scenes that are guiding them down a path that they, you know, think that they're getting access to this esoteric knowledge, which to some extent they are. It's just Mm -hmm. from a different lens. So they're not getting it from the creator. They're getting it from Mm -hmm. creators, Mm -hmm. which is different. And it's not the creator. And I think that's that's the issue that we're seeing more and more now. Uh, on top of the fact that you got a lot of people who just want to stay blinded, who who would rather not look into this and they don't see how that it affects their day to day. When in actuality, it does. Like it, it is affecting your day to day because these deeper truths of the Bible help you see how to operate in this weird, yeah. weird world that we're if, in. Right if now. we, you know, we used to use the analogy. You don't hear it so much in the church anymore that I'm aware of. I mean, but I remember as a kid, like we, we are like mm-hmm. soldiers in in the Lord's army. Like you know those kinds of songs that they used to make us sing in Sunday school, and like we don't talk about being at war yeah. anymore, but we are. 
And how effective or ineffective are you going to be going into war if you know nothing about your enemy? We, we need to open our minds right. and open our eyes to the truth of what's happening around us. So important. I completely agree, David. Uh, you know, back to these six tribes, they're talked about in the Bible. We got Genesis 14, 5 through 7. In the 14th year came Ketaliomer and the kings that were with him and smote the Raphaims and Ashtoreth Karnim and the Zuzims in Ham and the Emims in Shiva Kiratham. So you've got these three giants talked about here, the Raphaims. You've got the Zuzims mm -hmm. and the Emims who I just brought up. And matter of fact, the Raphaim is a derivative of the Hebrew word Rapha which also means in this context, shades or spirits. So in, in theory, which I think is a lot of weight to it, that Nephilim that were killed or Nephilim that died by the flood, uh, their spirits uh, had no place to go. So those spirits became the demonic entities that we know now because they do have a connection to the fallen entities, and those are the ones that try to possess and try to uh, harass us on a day-to-day -day basis. So, and Rafa is used in several different ways. So if you look up uh, uh, in uh, any Hebrew dictionary, you'll see about four or five different meanings. One of them is actually a place, but uh, in this mm -hmm. particular instance, the Raphaim is Rafa is a derivative of Raphaims, and that's where people get this um, theory that this is where the demonic entities came from. We've got Deuteronomy two. Uh, we got several verses here. We got Deuteronomy ten. The Emims dwelt therein in times past, a people great and many and tall mm -hmm. as the Anakims. Verse eleven, which also were accounted giants as the Anakims, but the Moabites called them Emims. So again, we've got the Bible clearly using the word giants, clearly talking about how tall they were, how massive they were. Again, this they had tribes of giants, and I say hybrid in the way that you've got fallen entities, whether you think it was some sort of genetic manipulation or actual sex, uh, however you want to do that. It's, the Bible's not super clear on that, but it does say that they took the daughters uh, of men. So we, we know there's something sexual and you know that satan and his minions are always trying to Amen. corrupt anything that god created so god creates something as good as sex he's going to try to do it in the most uh vile way possible and then create these giant beings so we've got deuteronomy 2 again but we've got verse 20 that also was accounted a land of giants giants dwelt therein in old time and the ammonites um as well Verse 21, and people great and many and tall as the Anakims, but the Lord destroyed them before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead. So again, we've got the word giant being used multiple times in the Bible. Again, people just hear Goliath, and they think that's the only time the word giant's being used, but it's used a lot in the Bible, not just even with the word Nephilim. It's used a whole lot, and there's actual tribes of giants that had strongholds in the promised yeah. land. Wow. And do, do you think that's part of the reason, like these were, these were not just innocent people groups that God was like, go in there and destroy every last one of them. Leave no survivors. Don't, don't spare their children or anything like completely and utterly wipe them out. And then we're going, well, that's harsh, you know, but it, he wasn't talking, it wasn't, he wasn't just referring right. to like, America go into Mexico and kill all the Mexicans. Like, no, that's not the God we serve. These were not just people. These were some other kind of beings that were evil and rotten to the core. Right. And I think that there's definitely, and, and I'm really digging into that part of the text too here lately and trying to understand that concept because, and like you said, I just did a uh, episode called Good Nephilim. So there are Nephilim which it seems to be that they turn from their evil ways. So I believe that God mm. gives us the opportunity to turn to him. I, I, I think at some point that you're, and people will say, well, how? It's a corruption of what God created. Key word that he created. So regardless of its corruption or not, it's still spawned from something God created. So I do think that God gives the opportunity. And I think, and there's some guys that dig even deeper than I do in the subject that will testify to that and say, well, no, David's mighty men actually had some gibberim jaborim on the team. So I could go to a whole long podcast about that, which I did, but there are, are several 
that it looks to be that they were fed up with what was going on and they left and ended up helping David. And why wouldn't David take on board a giant to help him if they turn their life to God? And I think it's it's highly possible that this is the case. But again, that's a whole other rabbit hole than just breaking the, the listener into what these giants actually are. But I think God's love and grace far surpasses anything that we could even imagine. And I think that's the tough thing for people to get over because somehow we want to believe that we're elite. Everybody wakes up with that pride in their heart where we've got something that nobody else has. And that even happens with Christians today. They think that they're something special. And if somebody's sinning over there, they'll never get into heaven. They'll never have this opportunity. It's not the case. Matter of fact, the, the most vile of us are still allowed redemption at any point. I mean, you look at some of the greatest characters in the Bible yeah. did some of the worst possible things ever. And if we saw that today, we could right. King David right. was awful at times. Like so if you really want to look at the scripture, human beings are fallible, and so would Nephilim be to an extent as well. So I do think that there is this I get what you're saying, and I do think that there is a truth to that but i think it goes into layers about why that they went and took out some of these cities and i think there had to be some catalyst that happened that was a direct revolt towards god for god to be yeah. like hey go just like I, I just talking with somebody the other day about sodom and gomorrah you know and i i wonder if i wonder how many people if any because we're not told like you said like we, we get snapshots we don't we don't ever really get the whole story how many people did god sovereignly call out of Sodom mm -hmm. and Gomorrah before he sent the angels in there and, and got Lot's family out. Were, were, there, were there a lot of other people that God's like, Absolutely. just like he called Abram out, Abram and Sarai, you know, just like he physically pulled Lot and his daughters out. Mm -hmm. Were there other people? Like, surely there were. Surely. There, I mean, we don't know, but I'm, there's always a remnant though. There's always a remnant. We don't know. And I and I completely agree with that concept, too, because we only get the snapshot stories in the Bible. We don't know the full context and we don't know what's going on. We don't know if those cities where this was happening, that there was already somebody preaching there uh, already. You know, here, here's a good one for you for people that don't think that Nephilim could possibly, you know, have turned. Who was Noah preaching to? during the time uh, at the last days, because almost all of those bloodlines were diluted mm -hmm. outside mm -hmm. of Noah. You know, when it says that Noah's perfect in God's eyes, it was, didn't mean that he was perfect. You know, all humans are fallible. It meant that his DNA was perfect. It means where Jesus was going to come from, it was undiluted. But he was still preaching to everybody for, you know, they say upwards right. to 100, 120 years while the ark was being built. So we do know that that was a thing that was offered uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's a, it's a lot deeper than, than what we give it credit to. But I think that's why it goes back to, that's why God wants us to take time out of our schedules just to think, just to think about these things and talk about these things. Cause Christianity right. is not, I mean, the Bible is not just like this surface level elementary school book about a bunch of cool stories and this guy named Jesus, right? I mean, it, it just, right. there's so much more there if we take the time to, <laughs> to dig into it. Absolutely. And, you know, we were talking about these, you know, Anakin, you know, the Hebrew mm -hmm. is Anaki, which is A-N-A-Q-I-Y, and it's translated to Anakim's meaning long necks or tall were the sons of Anak. So they were definitely tall, like from the Hebrew, they were far larger than the other giant tribes at the time. They were the tallest of the giant tribes, and this is after the flood. So we know that these Anakim were around. Matter of fact, in the Egyptian execration text, um, the, and so this is basically the Egyptian execration text were texts uh, from the pharaohs that listed enemies of the Egyptian state. They talk about the Anakim during that time. The Anakim chieftains, their uh, witch doctors were putting curses on these Anakin chieftains who lived in Canaan so they wouldn't hmm. come into Egypt. So this is during the time when Moses leaves uh, Egypt, goes to the promised land to take the promised land back. Everybody on the earth knew about the giants. The giants were everywhere. This is not, in this day and age, this was not something that was weird like it is now. It's like you had giants, you had people. You had giants that bred with people that people don't talk about that, mm -hmm. too. That happened as well. So that's where you get your diluted bloodlines throughout history. So you've got 
all this going on, and this is all biblical. This is all biblical, these giant tribes, and they're specifically called giants. So uh, it, it's fascinating to me, people that try to do mental gymnastics to get out of this fact that there was a hybridized bloodline that came from fallen entities that created these giants. And I think it is. It literally is mental gymnastics that you're doing to yourself because the Bible says it specifically throughout Scripture, all through the Old Testament, as a matter of fact. It's not just one verse. I mean, yeah. we're just touching on a few today. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> How did you get started on this journey, Joel? Like, I mean, from like just going deeper into stuff like this. Well, for me, I always had a proclivity for what's going on behind the scenes or behind the veil. Like, even back in the early 2000s, um, I always knew that what quote unquote, they tell us isn't always the truth. It's, there's more layers to it than what's initially given to you in mainstream consciousness. So I was always looking into weird stuff behind the scenes, whether it was, you know, Bigfoot, Dogman, cryptids, uh, which I do think are tied into the spiritual realm too. You've got, uh, you know, weird things that go on in the government that don't make sense. You know, there's there's so many things that I was already on board with. Now, I wasn't walking with God at the time, so I had a different aspect, the way that I was looking at it. But as I came back to God over the years and I started looking at it from this biblical lens, for me, it was it was trying to find a way to tie all this weird stuff to the Bible. And then as I'm digging, I start really getting into the Nephilim and the giants because it's 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 a huge interest of mine because I find it that that is a key to unlocking everything that's going on in the world, which is really wild because, you know, you talked about they, you know, quote unquote, they, who are these organizations? Who are these people, these elites? I believe that they come from the bloodline of these Nephilim giants. That's why they think they're better than us because they come from the bloodline of the gods. And I think that's why that they are so influential why their families are so influential, and why that they believe they're better than us. It's not because they have money and power. There's a lot of people that have money and power that aren't of these bloodlines. The reason why they believe that they're better than us is because they are, quote-unquote, from fallen entities or the gods, which I do think that fallen entities over time have masqueraded as gods. You know, God tells us uh, to worship the Most High. It doesn't say that there weren't other gods, so I think that these fallen entities have masqueraded as gods uh, to people over time. You know, throughout different uh, cultures, uh, we talk about Sumerian culture and Greek culture and all this. I do think that these gods that they talked about existed in, in some sort of physical form, but I think it was manifested by some sort of fallen entities, or if they're talking about the demigods, were probably these hybridized uh, Nephilim that are talked about throughout history. So I do think as time went, bloodlines were diluted. I think there are giants today, but they went underground. Uh, maybe uh, we're getting really uh, crazy ground here, but maybe into other dimensions because we know that fallen entities can move in and out of these dimensions too. So, you know, why wouldn't they teach their children yeah. the same things? So, you know, I, I, I do think that, again, this is all supposition from what we're getting from the Bible, but I do think all of this is a high possibility. I mean, just look at what's going on uh, at CERN and some of these organizations uh, that are trying to understand uh, technology that can crack the fabric of time and space. So, and I don't think they're getting their info from, you know, quote unquote science. I think that they know who these entities are, and I think they're in in league with them. As a matter of fact, you can hear some of these guys who work for these organizations talk about that. They know that they're entities. They call them the, the ancient ones, the old gods. And I do think that those would be considered in, in Christian literature in the Bible as fallen entities, again, that have created yeah. these Nephilim. Well, it, it's so interesting. I know we're about at time. Um, I I just I want to be respectful of your time because initially you were like I can't I can't do this for like another month or so but you squeezed me in and I'm so grateful that you did. Um, is there anything else that you just like I, I'm I'm taking you off base with all my questions. I, I can't control myself. So, <laughs> um, is no, there can. anything that you just want to shout out? Oh, you're fine. That you, that you want to say before before we have to end this call today? 
I, I would just say that, you know, we were able today briefly to touch on some of these topics. I'm sure there's going to be some people that are blown back, have no idea what I'm talking about. I would say dig into it. You know, go, you know, go to some guys that I would, I would mention a couple of names that you could go look at some books they've written. L.A. Marzulli is a great one. Uh, Gary Wayne is another great one. They've written some fantastic books. Uh, Thomas Horn has written some great books. Steve Quayle has written some great, great books on these topics of some of the hidden aspects of the Bible. And I say hidden, it's not hidden. It's just hidden in the way that, you know, like I said earlier, the church has been infiltrated and we're not able to see the supernatural come mm -hmm. off the pages mm -hmm. like we should. Because, man, the, the Bible is super weird when you start going, especially in the Old Testament, but even the New Testament, we're talking about miracles. All this stuff is, is, but people, like you said, if they don't understand it, they just gloss over it and keep moving, and they don't try to look into it and how it's applicable into your daily life, or it's applicable to what's going on in the world, because... Again, I'm not here to preach doom and gloom because I'm one of those type, type of guys. I don't think we should fear anything. I think if you know we have our foundation in Yeshua, then we shouldn't fear anything. But we should also be cognizant and aware of what the enemy's doing, what's happening in the world. That way we know how to combat it. Also, how we can bring others to this realization that are outside of that mentality who maybe aren't Christians, maybe maybe know something crazy going on in the world, but they don't know how to add it up. And when you start giving them these speeches, listen, I've talked to guys who are very knowledgeable on geopolitics, about the occult, that know what these organizations, these people are doing, but they don't know how to tie it together to the biblical part. And when you start putting it in context that way, then all the pieces start coming together. The jigsaw pieces start coming together. Yeah. Like, oh, it makes sense now. Why is there such a push to eradicate, you know, Christian beliefs throughout the world? Why is there such a push to uh, take that family structure, you know, mm -hmm. out of the world? Well, you start realizing what it is, but I do think it comes from these Nephilim bloodlines. When you're talking about the people that are actively trying to do it, I think that in you know, a lot of them, you're never going to know their names, but they move in circles that you would never know. But I do think that they come from this. And when we start digging into these truths and you start realizing what's going on, first, you build a stronger foundation for yourself. Two, you start realizing like how awesome the Bible is. And you, and you realize it's not just some dull books a lot of people think yeah. it's super dull they don't understand like how fascinating that it is and when you realize how fascinating that it is then you you just have a blast with it and at the same time find things that are applicable to yourself and how you can grow and connect to your neighbor yeah that's so good man when, i i heard it called the lullaby effect like the more you read a story or the more you hear a story you just gloss over the details and you just don't even pick up on it you don't even see the the, the richness of it you know and we become inoculated to the truth because we don't press right. into it. That's why it's so important that we have these conversations. So I'm totally so grateful that you cut out time for us today, Joel. Thank you so much. Where can yeah, people absolutely. find more it. about your work? I'm going to post that a link to the, the good Nephilim broadcast that you did for Tony on the confessionals. But where else can people reach out to you and find more about your music and some of the movies you've produced? Like, uh, I mean, th there's, you've done so much and you're a young guy. Yeah. I, uh, you can find me at Linktree slash Joel Thomas media, pretty much on any platform. If you type up Joel Thomas media altogether, you'll find me anywhere, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or X, any of those platforms. Uh, I'm, I work for Merkel Media, which is Tony Merkel's media company. He and I go out with several other guys, and we actually hunt down. So we, if there's a fascinating story about Bigfoot or a dogman, or we're looking into, you know, giants as well, sightings of giants, we'll go hunt them down. And we will, and we have found some really wild and crazy stuff that's happened uh, while we were out and about. And again, that's how I know that there's a spiritual world around us that we don't fully understand because we're told not to. We're told not to look into these things. We're told not to try to, and we're told they don't exist. And But the, but the crazy part about it is there's so many people, that when you talk to them, they're not mm -hmm. crazy. They're not mm -hmm. making it up, and you know they're not. And they're like, I saw this. I don't know what it was. 
is there any, anybody to make sense out of it? And I think that that's what we try to do. We try to make sense out of the weird world around us, but also how it connects to the Bible and connects to just your daily life and how the structure of the world's built. Because once you start seeing or looking behind the veil, you realize, man, most of what you've been taught since you were a kid was a lie. And now you can take the Bible as your foundation moving forward in that world. And you realize, well, I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to be doom and gloom, which a lot of guys do if they don't have that foundation. But if you have that foundation, you can move, but you can also yeah. help others grow too and grow yourself. So I think that's something that I'm finding more and more. And you never know at all. Uh, I know with the Bible, the more I'm learning, the less I know. Uh, we don't know a lot about God at all. Uh, you know, if anybody ever says that they know everything about God, <laughs> right. don't listen to them because they're probably some yep. sort of false prophet at that point because nobody knows oh, man. much. You, that's absolutely true. You, uh, you said it because the more, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And uh, I mean, even, even in regard to this, I mean, especially in regard to this stuff, like, you start talking about the Nephilim, it's like, okay, like you said, that, that word appears in the Bible twice. But then when you start looking at how it fits together and the meanings of the different words, and then and then why does it say these mighty men, men of renown, and use that exact same phrase in Second Chronicles when it's talking about David's mighty men? Like, wait a second. You know, there's just so much more there if only we'll take the time to look into it. So it's so good, man. I appreciate you very much. I hope. And I expect that everybody's going to be checking out your link tree and following you on Twitter and listening to your really amazing music. Uh, some of your documentaries are still available on Amazon um, for like a 99 cent rental. So you guys can have a movie night with your teenagers and get them interested in some of, some of the stuff that's out there and pursuing truth. Cause that's why we're here. God put us here to pursue truth. Yeah. And if you're, Looking for the films, you can go to okay. Merkel.media, and it'll get you access to where both films that we have out right now. Our first film we did was Expedition Dogman, where we went into the Daniel Boone National Forest, and we hunted down a dogman tail. And we actually went out there with a guy named Kyle, who okay. actually had these experiences twice. And we had our own experiences, which were pretty wild, but that is available on Amazon Prime, Tubi. Uh, there's several uh, that it's available on. We do have uh, The Shape of Shadows, which we actually went out to uh, one of the ranches that butts up to Skinwalker Ranch. And we talked to a lot of the little local Native Americans about the Skinwalker lore. We had some crazy stuff happen out there. We actually saw 25 UFOs light up the sky for about an hour and a half, which we've all got all that on camera, too. Uh, again, I do think a lot of this stuff's tied to the spiritual world as well. So I don't think it's all technology, or if it's technology, it's technology given by yeah. some of these entities. And there's yeah. there's a whole rabbit hole with that too. And if you guys go to my link tree, uh, you can go to the confessionals. I've done several presentations there. I've got several in there. If you just type up my name in the confessionals, you'll see a, a bunch of different uh presentations I've done, not just about Nephilim, but a lot of the interesting aspects of the Bible and some very uh, different viewpoints uh, than you might have heard. And you can take it or leave it how you want to. You may listen to it and say, I don't I don't buy that. Well, that's cool, too, because, yeah. you know, a lot of it we don't really know. <laughs> so, you know, we, that's why they're just, called theories. Just in pursuit of truth, you mentioned L.A. <laughs> Marzulli. Um, he's going to be on next month or so. We're, we're working on that. We might actually have a date plan i think it's about five or six weeks out um that's going to be super fun there there's just so much more out there you guys but check out joel thomas check out merkel media m-e-r-k-e-l dot media right merkel dot media m-e-r-k-e-l yeah uh -huh. so you got merkel dot media yep. merkel dot media and you can find me at joel link tree slash joel thomas media if you go to that link tree every one of my socials are there plus all the merkel stuff absolutely thanks stuff again there. joel appreciate it